Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, GT Worship. Thank you. Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? Church, I believe God can do a in a few moments around the altar, God can do a few moments that we can accomplish in a lifetime. But I got a word to share today because it's not only about deliverance, it's about walking in that freedom. It's about walking in that new life that God has placed you in. It's about growing in your faith. Today, we're going to preach and probably... Next Sunday, we're going to preach from this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole passage. But Peter opens up and he describes himself as Simon Peter. Now, what is interesting is this. It says, Simon Peter, uh, a slave or a servant and an apostle, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his first letter, he simply said, Peter, an apostle. Here, it's interesting that he uses his given name, Simon. He's given his his given name, which demonstrates to us who he was before Christ. Peter demonstrates to us who he is because that's the name that Jesus gave him. Upon this rock, I will Build my church. It's his God-given name. Now, 2 Peter is a book where the aged Peter is now writing, and it's as if he's drawing from his life experiences, and he's leaving a final testament to the believers talking from his experiences, talking from his own relationship. We, as we've read the New Testament, we see him as Simon. We know him as Peter. And we see him as he's grown in his relationship with God as the apostle, man of authority. And what a great example for us to learn that it's line upon line, precept upon precept. See, God will give us deliverance today, but it's up to you and I to walk in that freedom and to begin to build upon that relationship so we remain free. We remain who God's called us. Your first note I want you to write is this. We have a precious faith. It's a faith which transforms. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle Of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith that we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Given to you. We'll talk about that in a moment. So notice how he identifies himself. Under A1, write the name Simon. And here he chooses to use his full name, Simon Peter. The Holman New Testament commentary writes, In doing so, he suggested 
the transformation that had occurred in his own life. Simon was his old name before he became a follower of Christ. And Peter was his new name, a name given to him by Christ Jesus. I want to prophetically declare God's about to change some people's destiny. No longer will you live according to the old nature. You're going to live according to the new nature. I just prayed the sinner's prayer with a couple. I just prayed that, that addictions be broken in their life. And what a great testament of looking at Simon Peter, who he was before and who he is after. And so often because how life has ravaged us, so often how, how life has tormented us, uh, so often because of our, our weaknesses and our failures, we, we, we don't realize what God can do. We lose hope and we settle in this sphere of hopelessness that I will always be this way. I'm here to remind you, no, you will not. God's about to give you a new name. He's about to give you a, a new destiny. He's about to shift some things in your life. He's about to do a divine reversal in your behalf. Under A2, write the name Peter. Peter means rock. It means man of rock. And this is the kind of character that God ultimately built into Simon's life as he followed Christ. God wants to build a rock-like character in us. It's that every day showing up. It's that every day surrender. It's that every day asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. And as you, every day, you build upon it, line upon line, precept upon precept, you will begin to see God breaking the chains in your life. You'll begin to see that God is taking away some old desires, and he begins to replace them with new characteristics in your life. This is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to build you into a man or woman of character, a rock-like character, full of courage, one who is steady and persistent, one who is bold for Christ. He wants to instill in you a steadiness and a boldness for Jesus. And Peter stands as an example of how the Lord can, over time, build these God-like, Christ-like characteristics in you. One who grows into what God has ordained. God has a picture of what you should be like. God has a picture of who you can be and will be in him. <laughs> and he's dealing with you in that place of victory. I submit that when he called Simon, he didn't see him as Simon. He saw him as the rock, as a pillar in the church as one who would, would help establish the cause of Christianity. And I'm here to tell you when God calls you today, when God called you to salvation, he, you, you may have sold yourself as, as broken, as insignificant, but what God sees in you is he sees a rock-like characteristic. He sees one who can be a world changer. He sees one who can be a giant slayer. And I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to tell you, 
you're going to be these things. Don't give up. Don't stop. Surrender to Jesus Christ. Peter's aim in writing this letter, could it be in a very subtle way, Peter was using his names to bring home the point of what Christ can do in us. If you look in 2 Peter in the very closing of the third chapter in verse 17 and 18, Peter writes this as the final verses. He says, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Verse 18 says, rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His aim, his purpose for writing this epistle was that you and I may grow and mature in our walk with Christ. His prayer for the recipients of this letter was their continued growth growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. David Helms writes this, using both names conveys the life experience of one who isn't afraid to wed together the man that I was born with, I am the man, man I am today because of the gracious influence of Jesus. The man I was born with, the man I am today because of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. That's the transforming power of the Lord. Small letter three, write this. He's a slave. Simply put, that means his desires to obey Christ and be his willing follower. It's a description of submission. The title speaks of Peter's dependence, that he was and is dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. And church, if we're ever going to accomplish anything great for the kingdom of God, then we must keep a mindset of dependence on Jesus, dependence on the Spirit of God, dependence on God the Father. In John's gospel, chapter 15, it's that gospel where Jesus is talking and, and he's talking about, about abiding in the vine. And in verse 5, he reminds them that without him, they can do nothing. We're servants of the Most High. If we're going to walk in freedom, we spoke about chains are now broken. If you're going to live in that freedom, then you've got to learn to walk apart and depend upon his strength, his anointing, his touch, his grace, his wisdom, his leading. Under small number four, write this, an apostle. See, when Simon first became a disciple, he often bragged that he would serve Christ longer and more zealously than the other disciples. At the same time, he seemed regularly to be looking for a position of authority among the disciples. He wanted authority for the wrong reasons. He wanted authority for the wrong aim. But writing decades later, he's been transformed into a humble servant, an authoritative apostle. And that's what Christ will do. What we look in the life of Peter is we see that humility is important. And walking in submission to the authority of Jesus Christ. And as we continue to do that, line upon line, precept upon precept, God 
would do the miraculous in and through us. In the second part of verse 1, Peter begins to declare his intentions. He says, I am writing to you who share the same precious faith that we have. The faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. In verse 2, he says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. He says, I'm writing to you who share that same precious faith. Church, the faith that we have is a precious faith. It's a saving faith. It's a healing faith. It's a restorative faith. It's a powerful faith. It's a sustaining faith. This faith that we have is one that will transform your life, your family, your circumstances, and will walk in that healing, will walk in that restoration power, and will walk in the anointing of Jesus. Again, looking at Holman's commentary, that word precious means that their faith is equal in honor, equal in privilege and standing. He writes, precious was used to describe foreigners in a country who asked for and then received equal citizenship in that country. Equal citizenship. See, Christians have been given equal rights of citizenship in the kingdom of God. Our faith is on the same footing as the faith of the apostles like Peter. So often we read the word and we read about the patriarchs, we read about their great faith, we read about these great men and women of God, and we think as if, well, we're not like that. That somehow, some way, they, they've received some extra favor that, that, that God looks at them in a different way. But Peter says, like Precious faith. That there's no partiality with God. That it's the same footing. Just like when one becomes a citizen of this nation, they have all the rights and privileges of those who were born in this nation. Equal footing. Can I tell you that he places you on equal footing? We all have an equal standing. God does not favor me any more than he favors you. God does not favor you any more than he favors me. He doesn't favor Peter any more than he favors the church today. He does not favor the early church any more than he favors the church of the 21st century. Matter of fact, I like that because that tells me the same thing he did in the book of Acts. He can also and will do today. So like precious faith. This faith was given because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. The verse tells us this faith was given. This faith, this gift of salvation is a gift of God. It's a gift of grace. You cannot earn it, you cannot buy it, or you cannot demand it. See, sometimes what happens is we get into this performance mode where we try to perform with God. If I dance a little more, if I jump a little higher, if I raise my hands a little bit longer, then God, then God will, will shine upon me. Can I tell you something? God loves you. 
He cannot love you any more tomorrow than he loves you today. He cannot love you any more next week than he loves you at this moment. He has given you grace. This grace that has been given to you, it's a gift of God, a gift of grace. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. It is given to us by a loving, compassionate, caring God who desires for you to live in covenant with him. The good news is this, you cannot earn it. His favor is not based upon your merit. His favor is based upon his character, (laughs) upon his goodness, upon his compassions that never fail. They're new every morning. If his favor is based upon his compassions that are new every morning, guess what? There's a blessing for me today. There's a victory for me today. There's a miracle for me today. And when I wake up in the morning, there's a new miracle for me today. There's another blessing for me today. And I can walk in that grace. I can live in that grace. I can be sustained by that grace. I can keep going, keep moving, no matter what comes my way, no matter what arrow the enemy may shoot at me, no matter what attack he may bring, I can stand in it because I've been saved by grace and I'm kept by grace. I'm sustained by grace. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? Notice what you receive as you grow in your knowledge. As you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, you'll receive more and more, write this, grace. (laughs) You'll receive more and more peace. Grace that sustains, that empowers. Peace that gives you a quiet mind in the midst of all the trouble. That gives you a, a feeling of quietness in the midst of all the storm. See, as you grow in your knowledge, you'll receive more and more grace and peace. Quickly, running to our second point, these are great and precious promises. By his divine power, verse 3, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything you need to live this Christian life has already been given to you. So we have a responsibility. Look at verse 5. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge. So write this under 8.1. We have a responsibility to respond to God's grace by being engaged. The New Living Translation uses the term, make every effort. The King James uses the phrase, giving all diligence. See, we have a responsibility to make every effort to grow, every effort to change our lives. We have responsibility to make every effort to respond to the kindness and generosity of God. That phrase, to make every effort, means to give haste to. 
other words, do not let any grass grow beneath your feet. Don't just sit there. Be engaged. Engage the Lord. Engage his presence. How do you engage him? By spending time with him. By getting in his word. Through corporate worship. Through individual worship. These are ways that we engage. The actual Greek word means excited fervor to do something or accomplish some end. Peter said, in view of all of this, in view of all of what? He's talking about God's promises back in 3, verse 3 and verse 4. See, verse 3 and 4 lay out the incredible gift of God in allowing his power, his spirit to be a part of the believer's life. See, we have a partner in this growth process. He's called the Holy Spirit. We have a partner in this process of becoming more like Jesus. He's called the third person of the Holy Trinity, God, the Spirit, a divine helper in the process of transformation. And then in verses 4 or 5 through 7, show that each believer also has a role to play in transformation. He says, add to your faith diligence to diligence, and he begins to list some things. See, we are to come into partnership with the Holy Spirit. The moment we accept Christ as our Lord, the moment we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us, and we have to engage the Spirit of God that lives in us. There's something that we must do. And I want you to see what God has done in your life. I want you to understand what God has done in your life. Write this under B1. He has given you sufficient provision. Everything you need for life and godliness is found in him. Found in Christ. Found in this relationship. Found in this personal relationship with Jesus. As you engage with Christ, as you engage through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, you will discover the provision that he gives to you. You will discover the provision that is available to you as a believer. So by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. In today's terminology, we might say living a Christian life. Now look at how encompassing this is. He says everything we need. So you're not going to wake up on Monday morning and see that God falls short. He doesn't fall short. You're not going to wake up on Tuesday and discover that God's grace isn't enough. No, it is because he's given you everything. But what we've got to do is we've got to engage in what he's provided. We've got to engage in that relationship. See, we look at the life of Simon. He began as this fisherman. He began as this kind of rude, open your mouth, insert your foot kind of guy. This man who was looking for authority, for position, for his own self. Suddenly, he's transformed into Peter, the rock. And now at the end of his life, 
we see an apostle, one, a man of influence, and it's all happened because he engaged the living Christ. He engaged the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you, brother, that if you engage the presence of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis, he'll take you from a Simon to be a Peter. He'll take you from where you are to where he's called you to be. It's about growing. Now, you know nobody loves to shout like that, like me. I'm going to do that Holy Ghost two-step. I'm going to like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. I'm going to shout. But it's not how high you jump, how good you can practice your dance. It's how you walk. It's how you're engaged. It's how you grow. It's how you realize how sufficient that provision is for you. You have everything you need. Finally, sufficient presence. Write that. Presence. Church, we have Christ, the presence of God, the presence of the Spirit of God. In John 14, Jesus said, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Why do you need to engage God's spirit? Because he's going to teach you all things about Christ. He's going to remind you about the person of Christ. And can I tell you, it's all about him. I declare to you this day, there is sufficient provision and there is sufficient presence. He is with you. Engage the presence of Jesus every day. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I love you. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, as we look at this man, Simon Peter, (laughs) Lord, I believe that the Holy Spirit deliberately put his full name in there to remind us of who he used to be and who he became. And as Peter began to talk about how we have received everything that we need for life and godliness, we learn that that does not exempt us from personal responsibility. That we have to make a decision to engage the presence of God every day. To engage the presence of Jesus. To engage in worship. To engage in the word. To engage in prayer. To engage in yielding. To not my will, but your will, oh God. Lord, help us. As our head is bowed and our eyes are closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been doing my own thing. I've been living my own life. And I'm tired of engaging the things of this world. I want God to turn my life around. I want God to make me a rock. I want God to bring me to his destiny for my life tired of living like the world, and I want to come home to Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand up. Just hold it up. I see that hand. God loves you. I see that hand. God loves you. I see that hand. God loves you. God is here. I see that hand. I'm going to ask right now. They're going to begin to sing. They're going to begin to play. 
And I'm not trying to embarrass you today, but I am trying to bring you to a point of decision. You raise your hand and you really mean it. You raise your hand and you want to engage. You want to surrender your life to Jesus. I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come down front. I'm, I'm going to meet you here down front. Will you come right now as they begin to sing? Come right now. Don't worry. 